0: Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording To the Batmobile Are you watching Star Trek? We would be honored if you would join us Please proceed with extreme caution Now, Geek Universe, the weekly show on sci-fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror, and much more. Importing preferences and calibrating virtual environments. I bet my Wookiee? Are you insane? Here he is, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, your host for Geek Universe, Jim Yelton. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to the Geek Universe. I am your host, Jim Yelton,
1: and we are coming to you like we do each and every week from Geek Headquarters, otherwise known this week as the Moss Isley Cantina. That's right, the Moss Isley Cantina, where karaoke night is Tuesday and drinks are half price every Thursday night. It's just a stone's throw away from Docking Bay 94. It's the Moss Isley Cantina. It is a big weekend. Not only is it Free Comic Book Day weekend, which, depending on when you're listening to this, it's either Free Comic Book Day or it's the day after, but it's also opening weekend for the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe masterpiece. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 comes out. It also marks the beginning of the summer movie season. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, this is going to be a big one for Marvel, because if you look at the track record of their sequels, the first movies come out of the game, and do very well, but it's when they get to that critical sequel that it becomes kind of hard for them to top what they did with the first one. And the only sequel that I can think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has outdone the original solo movie was uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier, and then of course uh, the third Captain America was even better this past year with Civil War, and so it's going to be interesting to see if James Gunn and the cast and crew of Guardians of the Galaxy came equal or surpass the success of the first movie with Volume 2. I know that they're bringing in the big guns, Sylvester Stallone's in this one, Kurt Russell, who, I man, how do you not love Kurt Russell? And they're just, they're pulling out all the stops. It's it's everything that you would expect from a sequel. It's bigger, it's louder, it's more effects, it's bigger story, bigger stakes, more cameos, more Easter eggs, all that sort of jazz. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see come Monday if Guardians Volume 2 is going to be Bigger than the first one. Like I said, it's also Free Comic Book Day weekend. Did you visit your local comic shop on Free Comic Book Day? Did you take advantage of all the cool freebie comics that were out there? And does it really matter anymore? I mean, I remember when Free Comic Book Day started; it was really to help the retailers and get people into the stores and get them acquainted with their local comic book shops. And now, I think because the the audience is, it's either there or it's not. And I think that it's still a cool thing to go do for free comic book day, but I still I question whether it's needed as much as it was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, if you've got an opinion on that, go to our Facebook page and let me know. If you're a retailer, let me know what the turnout was for your free comic book day. Let me know if it matters to you in the grand scheme of things. And if you're a reader, does it really matter that you get to go in and take advantage of these special issues when you're reading what you're reading? Do, do the special issues? get you interested in a book that you might not be reading at the the time. So go to Facebook, let me know. That's all that I've got going on this geek end. This week, we've got a really cool show for you. We are bringing you... ...segments from a live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center last year, where we went to First Fridays. It happens every month at the St. Louis Science Center, the first Friday of every month. They have a a program with a theme, and we've been there several times. And this week, we are bringing you our live First Friday appearance from the St. Louis Science Center, when the theme was Bring Back Firefly, the classic cult Joss Whedon sci-fi western television show. It only lasted for 11 episodes. We will go into who our favorite characters were... Uh, what we liked about the show, what made it last, what the impact of it was, and everything Firefly Serenity from our live show appearance at the St. Louis Science Center. Tonight's
2: host, Jim Yelton, is going to talk about that amazing show, Firefly, and explore why this show is so exceptional and continues to live on more than 10 years later. Please welcome your host, Jim Yelton.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to the Geek Universe Live! Holy cow! Oh my goodness. You guys are officially the biggest audience we've done this show for. Oh man, how's everybody doing? To join us in our discussion of Firefly, Uh, he's been here with First Friday before. He is a fantastic fount of information and fandom Please welcome Mr. Dan, Dr. Dan Yezbek. I almost forgot the doctor part. Like, that's Dan, the most please. important. Hello, everybody. Dr. Dan Yesbeck. I knew I was going to mess
2: up the introduction. Did I get the Dan, name right at everyone. least? Yeah, it's just fine. And it's please, Dan, just, right? Just Dan is good. Okay. Definitely, definitely. I was so. worried. I was practicing. Aren't All they, those Dan? people who clapped when I came up, the, uh, I'll pay you outside. Thank you. We were talking before the show started. Yes. This
1: is amazing. Uh, yes, not only is this amazing that this many people showed up for a show hosted by a guy they don't know, but... (laughs) They showed up to talk about a show that was on only 11 episodes of The 13 aired. Correct. And Out of order. Out of order. <laughs> Without a pilot. The the pilot was not the first episode that aired. And, and that was something I wanted to kind of kick off because, like I said in the intro, my first experience was watching it the very first night it premiered. And The Train Job is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Mine too. But... It was very weird when I found out that was not the, the originally intended first episode and later mm-hmm. on when they showed the pilot I was like wow this is weird like Fox is going to totally kill the show
2: well it's Fox that's what well that's, that's true <laughs>
1: That's kind That's of what true. happens. But that was before we knew. <laughs> Correct. Correct.
2: We, we didn't have that idea. Uh, what was your first experience with Firefly? My first experience is really interesting. I have, uh, first of all, before I say anything about my first experience, I'm having a wonderful experience here. And I'm just having fun talking to so many people who have, who are, they're not brown coats. They're like brown bloods. They've got it in their veins. <laughs> so it's really, really fun to meet the hardcore, the cult. Hello, cult. It's nice to meet you all. Especially this kid right here. so You can tell it's serious. All right. my I love my first Firefly experience, because I will admit, I was almost utterly ignorant of the show, as were so many people. And I was teaching a class in science fiction, <clears throat> shame on me for not knowing it. And uh, my students said, you got to see this show. And I said, okay. And they said, but don't don't watch it on TV. We have tapes, and we'll give them to you in the right order. But you can only have the tapes if you promise to watch them in the right order. <laughs> And then they said, and, and one of us, who is rich, has ordered the unaired episodes from Canada. And if he likes you, he'll let you have those too. <laughs> and that's when I knew I was dealing with a very special group of people. Uh, <laughs> um, but after, and they gave me the pilot in the right order. And I I sat, came home that night with my wife and I said, my students gave me a tape, dear. Want to watch it? <laughs> And when she knows to run, when I say <laughs> things like that, uh, and not, uh, we just loved it from the beginning. And we said, how soon can we get more? And t- who do we have to pay? And who gets an A for giving us these tapes? And it pretty much took over from there. So so you watched it on tape? Yeah. Like, hey,
1: kids, for those of you who are too young to know, <laughs> we're talking about videotapes. Right. That's what we had before right. DVDs. And DVDs are what we had before we watched stuff on Netflix. So you're like two <laughs> generations past That's our right. technology.
2: Well, they, they knew I was old. So they figured, you know, you must have a VCR. <laughs> you got least, a VCR? But, yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, It's weird talking about Firefly. It's kind of like when I, we talked about how I do a lot of these things where I talk about Joss Whedon at conventions and and various appearances. And when I talk to people about my first experience watching Buffy, it was not watching it when it was originally broadcast. Mm -hmm. It was watching it uh, rerun on FX and my wife and I would DVR it Mm -hmm. and we literally would like mainline Buffy on the weekends where we were watching like 12 Mm -hmm. episodes a weekend and it was like, oh my God, it was like heroin. Right, again, probably before Netflix. The the same thing sort of happened because when I would talk to people their experience was different because certain people that watched it on broadcast had to wait the entire summer Mm -hmm. for some of those really great cliffhangers they had mm-hmm. with firefly it's also the same thing where i remember watching it in broadcast order mm-hmm. and my experience having that story unfold was completely different than yours or other people people right. who got to it late who have watched the dvd or however they came to it that got to watch it in the proper order it's it's very strange having that conversation
2: it is it is it's fascinating and just to go along with that i can i, I, I got to tell you my uh, better than the first firefly experience is my first buffy experience which I had seen episodes of Buffy and enjoyed it all the time, uh, but I'd never seen them in order or anything. I just sort of you know, picked it up and enjoyed it as I could. I saw the famous musical, enjoyed that. But the first time I ever really took it seriously, I was at a, um, I was at Disney World. Shame on me. Sorry. Um, and there was a, fu- I was in the line for a buffet for a conference, and there was a fight at the buffet, a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> Two women were stomping the heck out of each other, and they had to call security and everything else, and uh, I sort of moved back because, you know, I did not know if the shrimp wasn't safe or what, and uh, I asked him what was going on, and uh, I heard the woman yell as she was being restrained. She said, her view on the lesbian politics of Buffy is completely insulting. <laughs> And again, it was then that I realized that Jess Whedon is an evil genius who controls us all, and and that there were so many things to go with. But yes, and, and wait, wait, wait. Before yeah. you go on,
1: there's more than one view on the lesbian politics of Buffy.
2: I can find find that woman for you, and you can okay. talk to her if you I want just, to. But I suggest I know, moving far away.
1: I, I know so. we're not talking Buffy tonight. I just <laughs> had right, to clear that yes. up before we move on. What a perfect place to stop before we get into too much trouble talking about the lesbian implications of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. You're listening to Geek Universe, and that was part of our live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center last year for their Bring Back Firefly event. Coming up, Dan and I are going to discuss our favorite characters from Firefly, our favorite episodes, and we're going to take questions from the audience. So stay tuned for all of that and more. You're listening to Geek Universe.
0: Making geekdom cool, one embarrassing moment at a time. people spend less time thinking about sex and more time
2: concentrating on comic books, we have far fewer of these embarrassing moments.
0: Once again, here's Jim Yelton.
1: Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we're bringing you special live segments from a show that we did in front of a big crowd for our live show at the St. Louis Science Center for their first Friday event. Bring Back Firefly was the event, and our guest that night was Dr. Dan Yazbek. He is a professor. He teaches at the uh, St. Louis Community College, and Dan has a, a very particular character on the show that he loves, and I tried to bait him a little bit, and it didn't
2: work. The other thing I liked is that, like like you said, you watched it largely with your wife, right? Yeah. And so did I. And it was, we we, all, we sort of, we had already been married and we were already deeply in love, but I think our love got stronger with Firefly. There was something there, because she tolerates my geekitude and doesn't talk about it in public with her friends and that's fine um <laughs> but she really really loves firefly and even yesterday at my daughter's uh, baseball practice she was standing there and she was talking to someone about, yeah he's doing this geek universe thing uh, tomorrow night at the science center um but he's talking about firefly and she looked at this woman uh, a friend of hers and she said even i like firefly so <laughs> see that's <laughs> when you know, it's you know what's yeah, good that's right yeah. that's
1: right <laughs> That's, my wife is the barometer in the house, too. Like, oh, okay. I mean, obviously, I'm going to like stuff because I'm very geeky, but if my wife likes it, mm-hmm. then I That's know right. it's right. it's reached a certain level. There are several things about Firefly that I wanted to cover tonight, and I think the one thing that we need to start off with is the one thing that I think we can all agree was one of the best parts of the show, which is the characters and the cast that plays them. Let me start off by asking you this. Who is your favorite character
2: on the show, <laughs> and why is it Jane Cobb? <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that a lot. First of all, if anyone doesn't like Jane, they can't be here, right? It's not okay, right? Does anyone ever get tired of Jane? I'll be all right, right. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, and, and if we're going that route, I think my favorite character on the show is Vera, honestly. Vera <laughs> is a hell of a lot of fun. Um, for years and years and years, my favorite character was Kaylee because of the of the. Endless optimism and the endless positivity, and the bit where uh, Mal says, You know, I don't think any power in the verse could stop her from being happy, cheerful, whatever it is. And there's just, there were times, I think we all have times in our lives, and we need endless cheerfulness no matter what's going on. And Kaylee has not had a great life, but she is so incredibly grateful uh, and she savors every moment. And as many of you have probably heard, and I'm sure you've read, the, the crystallizing moment of the show is Kaylee savoring the strawberry in, yes. the, in the pilot. That's where, that's Whedon said, that's what, that's the exact feeling he wanted the show to have throughout. So Kaylee is really kind of the idealistic, ethical heart of the show if a show about mercenary space people can have a heart. Uh, so Kaylee was always fun to watch, but I will tell you the truth, in watching it now many times on my own and with my wife and now with my children heavily censored um, <laughs> uh, my our, our favorite character has become Zoe, honestly um, I think her one-liners are equal to Jane's in every way, although Adam Baldwin's, uh, uh, Adam Baldwin's delivery are, is just spectacular he cannot be beat for these one-line little zippers that he gives out. But Zoe has some of the best comebacks. My favorite line in the whole show is always, "Sir, I think you have a problem with your brain being missing." Because uh, uh, people tell me that all the time, so it's nice to hear it that way. Um, uh, uh, also, when she gets shot in the chest, and there's not even a moment of regret. It's like, uh, you're right, this is a bad idea. Thanks for saying so, sir. Uh, just little little one-liners like that are, are just fantastic. So uh, Jane is Jane is magnificent. I loved. I, I mean, I I absolutely love them all especially Vera You're listening to Geek Universe with Jim Yelton. That's Dr. Dan
1: Yazbeck from our special live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center First Friday event, Bring Back Firefly. We're going to have more with Dan as we get a little bit deeper into the cast and characters. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite moments and episodes from Firefly. And we're going to take questions from the audience that was there 300 strong to see our live show at the St. Louis Science Center. But before we get back to that, if you're a listener of the show or the podcast, you know that at our live event, Events, we play Trivia Thunderdome. That's right, your chance as a listener in the audience to get up and participate in some great trivia games and we're actually going to bring the Trivia Thunderdome from the live show to the radio. So go to our website geekuniverseshow.com, click on the Trivia Thunderdome tab and find out how you can be a part of all of the fun, excitement and prizes that we're going to be giving away to some lucky listeners who play Trivia Thunderdome and Maybe, just maybe, you'll get a shot at the title. And now let's get back to more from our live show at the St. Louis Science Center with Dr. Dan Yesbeck. That's the tough thing about it because, you know, I was facetiously asking about Jane, but... <laughs> For me, like, Firefly is, of all of Joss's shows, mm-hmm. and trust me, we're going to get to this later on. When I say Joss's show, I mean, I understand. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that helped him make this show great, and we'll talk about that. But of all the shows, Firefly's the one where it's really hard for me to nail down who my favorite is. I agree. Because that cast is so good mm-hmm. playing those characters, mm-hmm. and I think that, to me, was one of the reasons why I latched onto it so early. We can talk about me watching episodes out of order and the story kind of not making mm-hmm. sense in places, but the characters always Mm -hmm. made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I got them from that very first airing of the train job, who these characters were Mm -hmm. and how perfectly cast all of these people were. And I would love Mm -hmm. to ask Joss this. I think he probably feels that there was some level of luck that was involved Mm -hmm. with it, but I know from my background, I've done a lot of stage work and I've directed a lot of stuff and casting is tough. It is. And you don't always get the perfect person walking Mm -hmm. through the door. And Mm -hmm. I just think that was the luckiest Mm -hmm break he got with the show was finding that group of people to play these parts. I agree.
2: I think Joss Whedon's luck should be bottled and sold to the public, because the way he can, he, uh, you're right, casting is kind of an art form, and he um, has, over the years, managed to evolve it to this sort of level of magic that's really something. And when you read about a lot of the on-set experiences of Firefly, you get everyone says the same thing. They all say it was special, not because it was cancelled and it's become the great martyred piece of art that Fox couldn't understand, but because they were all having so much fun together. And that doesn't always happen on uh, anyone who's ever work creatively with a group of people. It's usually not a fun experience. (laughs) And uh, in this case, they just said over and over again, it was fun to be there every day. Even all the guest stars who would show up said over and over again, we can't believe how much fun it is to be with these people. We always wanted to come back uh, and play again because Christina Hendricks has said that. The man who played uh, Nishka has said that. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, But they all just said, please don't kill me because I want to come back on the show again. And one of the most interesting casting choices was they originally had someone else for Inara, right? Someone from, yeah. Uh, And at the last minute, that person pulled out and they. Pulled in a brand new actress who just graduated Juilliard, uh, and that's how we got Maureen Abakaran, uh, which is very, very exciting. And you can tell that she's sort of being helped through every. You can tell, you can see Mal is is giving her a lot of attention, a lot of cues to play off of. She doesn't need them; she's an actress of steel. But when you really know that she's kind of the newbie, she and Kaylee are the two newbies. You can really see them all building this new kind of company together. So it's very special to watch. Well, and I think you hit on the the big point
1: because you know, again, looking at, at the backstage of how you create a show like this and and the pressures and the long hours Mm -hmm, and everything. The fact that I think all of those people would tell you that was probably one of the best groups of people they've ever worked with and they're all friends and they're still friends to the point where, you know, if if you follow any of these people on Twitter or Facebook, like you'll see every once in a while, like they just go have a a barbecue Mm -hmm. together. Like, they're just hanging out at somebody's house. If they're all in Mm -hmm. L.A. at the Mm -hmm. same time, they just get together just for the heck of it. And you don't hear that about other shows.
2: No, and Whedon has that gift, too. He's always bringing people in from other projects and mixing and marching. I mean, to get get the guy who played Malcolm Reynolds to play uh, Dogberry in Much Ado About Nothing, I mean, to get him to move from Shakespeare in his house, you can tell there's a really intimate family of uh, artists and creators working there. So it's always really fun to see. And I know you all follow them on Twitter, right? You follow them all, right? you're supposed to that's the rule all right I see people on their phones now so I yeah, they know right. they're
1: if they're you not don't believe following these geeks are saying about you right now <laughs> they're either talking about the show or they're like oh yeah I gotta go follow <laughs> what is it Nathan Fillion okay <laughs> I'm Jim Yelton, you're listening to Geek Universe, our special live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center during their first Friday event for Bring Back Firefly. We'll have more, including Dan and I looking at our favorite episodes and some questions from the audience. That's all coming up when we return with Geek Universe.
0: This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. You're listening to Geek Universe. Once again, here's Jim Yelton.
1: Welcome back to Geek Universe, the only show that celebrates the geek end with you each and every weekend. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and this week we're bringing you special segments from a live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center during one of their monthly First Friday events. This particular episode took place during their Bring Back Firefly event. You know if it was Joss Whedon that I was going to be there. I was honored to have been joined by Dr. Dan Yazbek, and we talked the cast, the characters, what was great about Joss's idea. What made the show click? And now we're going to get into what were some of our favorite moments and episodes during the show's brief,
2: brief run. My favorite episode is Objects in Space. No one? Right, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's just a delayed reaction. Right. Well, again, again, they're being paid. Um, uh, I love Objects in Space for so many reasons. As Whedon often says, as every TV producer or showrunner says, one of the most important things about network TV is to make sure that every episode in some ways is kind of like a brand new pilot. you got to reintroduce every character. you got to reintroduce a lot of the conflicts over and over again. Uh, and you can see that in episodes like Out of Gas. You can see it in episodes like Bushwhacked. All these are great. I love them all. You can certainly see it in uh, Heart of Gold. Um, But I think uh, in some ways, maybe because it's kind of the ending, there's something about Objects in Space. When early the assassin arrives, he's just kooky enough and just psychotic enough to sort of bring out something new in every character. And I love the conversations between uh, him and Simon. I think there's something really unique going on there because, you know, in any other even remotely realistic series, he would just shoot Simon and move on. But they're having so much fun talking to each other as actors and as characters and and as Characters being scripted. I, I that show works that show for me works on so many levels. And early's crazy speech about the design of his gun and the crazy speech about how he likes the feel of the ship. Uh, there's just just some really kooky screwball poetry in there. I could watch that those scenes forever. And that was something that I loved about the show
1: was that it seemed like as as a group the writers mm-hmm. wanted to kind of yes. elevate yes TV writing in the genre mm-hmm. and not just make it about uh, spaceships flying around and having That's adventure, right not just about an alien of the week sort of thing, mm-hmm. but we want to make this a character-driven drama mm-hmm. that just happens to be set in space. Mm-hmm. And the the dialogue that these characters yes. have at times is like mm-hmm. near Shakespearean. And, and that was kind of like one of the first inklings I had that Joss and the people around him really yes. loved writing that sort of thing. And this was an opportunity, I think probably for the first time in his career, that he didn't have a bunch of people Breathing down his neck because right. he had the right. power at that point right. to do the show he wanted to do, right. and not necessarily the n- show that the network was telling him right. to do.
2: And some of the, some of that power came from the network just not even really caring at that point what was going on. They kind of left him alone to play with it, which was a lot of fun. Um, the other bit that I think really shows how the show works is, you know, as you well know, everyone here loves Whedon. There's a, there's a really dark edge to Whedon, right? You've seen Dollhouse, you've seen Cabin in the Woods. There's some real, it's some fun, he, he rich, goes some dark places. Yeah, yeah, he goes some. Dark places, and there's a couple dark moments in uh, in several episodes of Firefly where you just wonder, like, is this? Is uh, I, I really want to laugh right now, but I can't. And the the moment when uh, River becomes the ship and is Serenity and is talking to him back and forth, there is, those are really chilling, creepy moments. So, and, and and of course, so much of the movie Serenity is full of horrors. So there's lots of that to play with too. Well,
1: the idea that he could actually do the reavers the way he wanted yes, to do them, yes, yes, yes. Uh, they
2: all they all look like. Fox executives, by the way, all the really. So. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't want to run out of time before we we give people a chance to to sure. say what's on their mind. But uh, a couple of things I want to cover real quick. So I tend to like to point out writers and writing and, mm-hmm. and how great they are. And Firefly, I think, of the shows he was doing at the time, because we talked about mm-hmm. this yes. before we came on. If you look at the time period, he had Buffy and Angel on. Buffy was wrapping up. Angel was in its, anybody, real quick, third, fourth season. Middle of the road. It, middle yeah. of the run. Uh, and Firefly was starting. So, and, and he has said in interviews that the... The reason why he worked as hard as he did during that year was he knew that he couldn't drop any of those balls, because if he dropped one, then somebody was going to say, well, that's why, because he had all this other Mm -hmm. stuff going on. And so he knew Buffy had to end very strongly. This was his baby, and he had seen Mm -hmm. it through all of those years, and Angel was starting to find its feet, and he didn't Mm -hmm. want that to stumble, so he had to concentrate on Angel. And then he had this new show, Firefly. The idea that he was able to find the quality of writers that he found to Mm stay. Staff, not one, not two, but three, three shows, shows three is shows. just amazing That's to right. me. And when you look at the writers he had working on Firefly and what they've gone on to do, mm-hmm. I mean, he has become a cottage industry of just creating right. writers that have gone on to create some of the best mm-hmm. shows on TV right now. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Firefly. I I dare say that the 13 episodes of Firefly they did are some of the strongest episodic writing mm. from beginning to end of a 13-episode run that I've seen ever. Yeah, I, I
2: would completely agree with that. And I've, I've been teaching screenwriting for years, so I've read a lot of really bad science fiction scripts. Uh, and I, every student, when I show them an episode of Firefly, they go, oh, okay, right, we don't have to explain how every computer works. Okay, and that's good to know. But yeah, there's there's a freshness to Firefly. It was also a freshness at the time, because Buffy was deeply invested in its Buffyverse, right? And Angel was a spin-off of that. So we certainly had. That going on. Firefly was its own thing, and I think one of the reasons why the writing is so crisp, aside from having uh, Tim Minear, who he pulled out of Angel, to th- and the other showrunner of Angel oh, was very upset. David Greenwald still <laughs> he's still, still, still very angry about it. fuming yeah. about that. Uh, but Tim's fine with it, so I guess yeah, we're you know, good. <laughs> um, so the two of them were, were working, as you said, really long hours pounding out these scripts that they knew all had to be great. Um, but one of the things I loved about, especially the middle of Firefly, if you can say there's a middle to something; that only has 13 episodes, but I guess you can is uh, so much TV, so much of what TV is now, this revolutionary new TV, which is really what Hollywood wishes it could be, right? Where you sit there and you binge watch whole seasons of whatever it's going to be, Game of Thrones or The Blacklist or Scandal or whatever. It's all about power. It's about people fighting for power, about people trying to take power. And Firefly is a show about people who have no power none of them. And there's something that a lot of people can identify with, and it frees up the script writing. It frees up the story. It frees up the dialogue for a lot of wit, for a lot of banter, for a lot of humor, dark and otherwise, um, because every one of them represents something that people with power don't care about right? Kaylee's innocence, um, the, the uh, shepherd's faith. These are all very simple allegorical themes. We're getting real heavy here. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's what makes the show and the writing so fresh because it's not just witty dialogue. It's dialogue that has this kind of thematic weight to it that makes it much more meaningful for each individual to watch.
1: It's Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and you're listening to special segments from a live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center last year during one of their first Friday events that they hold every month. This one was Bring Back Firefly, and if you want to get information about our appearances at the St. Louis Science Center or any upcoming appearances that we have at conventions, we're going to be appearing in Kansas City at the Conquest Convention over Memorial Day weekend. If you want to find out more information about that, if you want to find out how you can participate in the upcoming Trivia Thunderdome radio, Game that we're going to be having, or just find out about our Facebook page or anything else we've got going on related to all things Geek Universe. Go to our website, it's geekuniverseshow.com, and you'll find everything you need to help you get through the geek end. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. We'll be back with more Geek Universe.
3: Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men you're listening to my favorite show, Geek Universe.
1: Hey, we just want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Soylent Green. You know, if you're hungry, there's nothing else that satisfies your craving better than Soylent Green. Remember what Charlton Heston said. Soylent
0: Green is made out of people.
1: That's right, Soylent Green. It's 100% green and 100% people. And coming soon, three new flavors. Soylent Red, Soylent Berry Burst Blue, and Diet Soylent with half the calories and half the people.
2: You gotta tell them, Soylent Green is people!
0: If you think the Kobayashi Maru isn't a Japanese steakhouse, you're in the right place. Geek Universe with your host, Jim Yelton.
1: Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we're bringing you this week special segments from a live show that we did at the St. Louis Science Center during their great First Friday events. We've been there several times. We've done episodes of the show there live or uh, The Walking Dead and Sherlock. Those are going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we are going to be coming back for more First Friday events. I know that coming up, we've got the DC versus Marvel event. We're doing Mystery Science Theater 3000. Obviously, if you've been listening to this episode, you know that my love of John. Whedon has no bounds, and they're doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer this year at the Science Center. So, I will be back doing a huge episode about Buffy. And as you're listening to this, we just finished an episode during their Hunger Games first Friday. So, stay tuned for that. That's going to be coming up in the near future as we talk all things Hunger Games. But right now, we're talking Firefly, and let's get back to the discussion. From the very beginning, it seemed like they stuck a claim to a, a thematic way that they were going to tell a story, and that Mal has a very specific point of view mm-hmm. that he is not going to waver from, right? no matter what happens. And as an audience, you're just going to watch this journey he goes on mm-hmm. along with his crew, and he's kind of pulling them along. And I loved the idea, and, and I've said this at other appearances, to me, the... Buffy and Angel and Firefly are all of one piece Mm -hmm. in a way. I always feel like and and this is not like I'm make any big revelation. Buffy to me was always what it was meant to be. It's about mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming responsible, becoming an adult. You know, it, it's, you're struggling to find your place in the world and you mm-hmm. realize this is what my gift is. She gets a job. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, whenever, grad- whenever I say she gets yeah. a job, everybody's like, at the Double Meat Palace? And I'm like, no, not at the Double Meat <laughs> Palace. I'm, she, her job is to be the a slayer. slayer. And you, once you come to that realization, you take some responsibility for that. And, you know, your your family is your friends, mm-hmm. which is is it very much at that point in your life. and Angel- Angel is very much to me about getting past that and becoming more of an adult and becoming a family Mm -hmm. and, and taking responsibility for your family. And the the one thing that I always point to is towards the end of the run, when Angel ends up taking over Wolfram and Hart, because Mm -hmm. that to me is like... A lot of us in life where once we sort of become a, a middle-aged person, we start making choices because that's what we have to do for our that's family. Right. It's not necessarily what we want to do. It's not necessarily the best choice, but it's what we have to do. An angel, I felt like, was about that. It was about mm-hmm. making choices that aren't necessarily the best for you, but they're the best for the people around you. Firefly to me was taking that to the more macrocosmic level mm-hmm. of, sure. now we're about everything else around us. Mm-hmm. Now we're, you know, and and I think it's very weird that we're talking about this in a political year, but you know, it's, it's about having that kind of realization that it's not just about me and my family. It's about leaving a legacy. It's about, am I going to leave the mm-hmm. world a better place because I was here? And that right. to me was always what Mal right. was looking at was, I want to have the world be better off because mm-hmm. I was here and I'm going to fight the fight, whether I win or lose. Somebody needs to fight it. And that's why, even though it's kind of a weird way to start a pilot episode, <laughs> the the pilot tells you what the show's about mm-hmm. even though you don't need that backstory to enjoy it I that's mean right. that the Battle of Serenity Valley is Mal saying I'm not gonna lay down my arms and give right. up this fight and he still hasn't and And that's mm-hmm. what I loved about him as a character
2: which is what energizes the bit at the end of the movie Serenity when he gives the famous speech I, I am to misbehave anyone who wants to come with me can do this because someone has to speak for these people someone has to someone has to speak truth to power and it just so happens I'm really tough and I can probably get away with it right <laughs> as opposed to a lot of other people so the other thing I I love about that the pilot, and I think it fits into exactly with what you're talking about. Is you know, Whedon loves to play with genres, whether it's the teen, the you know, the teen movie, or the musical, or the horror film, or the science fiction, or the western. But you can't set a western in space uh, and have that theme song so beautifully done here just moments ago, uh, and not have people thinking, well, let's see how he's gonna remix the western, right? And when you've got the war, which is really the civil war, right? And you've got Mal in his brown coat instead of Clint Eastwood walking around in his in his uh, in his Confederate outfit. I mean, he's constantly playing with different ways of looking at other kinds of media and other kinds of stories. And I think that's really important. That's One of my students said it best. He said, the great thing about Firefly is it's Buzz and Woody's impossible love child. (laughs) It's it's the Western and the space toy both mixed together. So I think there's something a lot of fun there. Which makes even more sense since Joss
1: worked on Toy Story. Right, exactly. It's Geek Universe our live show from the St. Louis Science Center where we talked all things firefly with Dr. Dan Yazbek. We're going to get back to it with the audience Q&A that wrapped it up.
3: My name is Jennifer.
1: Okay. Hi, Jennifer. Wait. We we need to explain this for those who are listening. One of the things that they did was uh, a lot of people are walking around here tonight with stickers on. They're <laughs> Yes. Uh, Dan's daughter was Team Zoe. What are your,
3: I'm Team Zoe. You're Team Zoe? Yes. They asked who would take over the captain of the ship if Mel was gone. It's well, that's a no-brainer. It's, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, Jane could do it, but they would have to tranquilize him. River. It should be River. <laughs> River has to fly the ship now. <laughs> that's right. Aw, poor Wash. Uh. Okay. what well, It's too soon. <laughs> I'm pretty He's right. sure. He's it's, right. He's right. It's always going to be too soon.
2: Yeah.
3: What was your So my question is as you were talking about the fact that he had Firefly going on at the same time as Buffy and Angel I started thinking of Shonda rhymes who has very successfully had her shondaland and you know tgit it made me think she's seen a a level of commercial success that i think joss never did yes um and being um, a broadcast watcher of buffy and understanding the pain of watching my beloved shows be booed by friends having to explain i watch a show called buffy and it's legitimate and yeah (laughs) and so i guess my question is Do you think it was just we weren't ready for the type of dominance or TV land to be dominated by a certain type of creative producer at that time? Or is it what Joss does and who he is and what Mm. topics he delves into? That we will never sort of fully embrace commercially to be the type of success that we see with Grey's Anatomy
2: and how to get away with murder.
1: I have a very clear answer to that, but I'm going to let you take a oh, shot first. Thank
2: you. So it's a fabulous question, and I really appreciate it. And I think one of the things that the brown coats I've met are most concerned with is the difference between creative success and commercial success. That Joss Whedon has certainly had commercial success. In fact, for a time, briefly, uh, recently, he was the most successful Hollywood director ever after the Avengers, right? Yes. A huge. Uh, so he could do what he wanted, and then he did Ultron we've forgiven him and we move on. Um, but, uh, there's no, I actually like Ultron a lot. Um, there's always been this fascinating kind of person, this celebrity, this impresario in media making and especially television making. And I think the example you just gave is a, is a fantastic one. I'm blanking on the name right now. David Chase, certainly another one from the Sopranos. Um, the the lunatic behind deadwood same thing can't think of his name him yes yeah. <laughs> uh, and not you know, da- he's another david but he's not yeah, david James. david da- oh cheese yeah it's, sorry long day um but yes yeah, so uh, uh, whedon i think is he seems to be the happiest of those people yes uh and even though you know a, sh- a show gets canceled the the one the, the shows that he loses loses become these mythic things and they live on in very different ways Grey's anatomy fantastic show. I don't think it's a mythic thing. Well, and and that was the very specific
1: answer that I was going to give, is that, well, I mean, let's look at Joss's success. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on one of the top three networks, mm-hmm. and yet he had two shows last to their conclusions, to their natural conclusions, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. I know they wanted to do another Year of Angel, but mm-hmm. it really ended when it should have ended, in my opinion. So, I mean, he took two shows a lot longer than they should have been on the mm-hmm. air. You know, he didn't have much success with Firefly. He he got two seasons out of Dollhouse, which which wasn't a great show, in Ooh. my opinion. <laughs> and here's the the ultimate thing. If you want to talk about the level of success and compare Shonda Rhimes to Joss Whedon, nobody going to any conventions or events <laughs> like this dressing as either McSteamy or McDreamy. Right. I have seen multiple Kayleys multiple right. Janes. I've seen Mal. I've seen Anara. I've seen people who love the show so much that they will dress as the characters. I don't care how much people love Grey's Anatomy. Right. They're not dressing up as the characters and
2: going out in public. So right. not, not, not part of the Geek Universe. They can bite me. They're not part of the, the Geek Universe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to another exciting episode of Geek Universe with Jimmy Elton. Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe, including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and theme merchandise, including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at geekuniverseshow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at facebook.com slash 30minutesofgeek, or on Twitter using the Twitter handle, at 30minutesofgeek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment, LLC. This episode is copyright 2017, or rights reserved. Well, kids, that's all you get. That's it. Read a book.